Hey everyone, before we get started, a quick show note. This episode is a re-recording of an interview I did with Uche at North Ave Market during Free Fall Baltimore last October. The interview itself went great, but when I went to review the audio, it was unusable, and Uche and I decided to re-record the interview once the holidays were over. It's kind of put me behind my production schedule, but so is life. Gotta roll with the punches. I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for continuing to listen to Local Color. This is Local Color, a Baltimore podcast, a show dedicated to Baltimore's black artists, entrepreneurs, and social innovators using their talents to make Baltimore a better place. I'm your host, Jason V, and on the show today, Uchama Uzosike. He's a digital animator based in Baltimore and is the creator of the webcomic Vibe Check. Early on in his life, Uche didn't demonstrate a unique ability in art, but it was something he loved so much he made himself good at it. When it came time for him to choose between his passion and his career, in a stroke of cosmic luck, the universe chose for him. For starters, let's just learn a little bit more about you. Uh, you said you're from Maryland. Where exactly are you from? So I was born in Ellicott City, Maryland, um, and I've basically lived there my whole life. Um, went to school essentially from preschool up until college in Catonsville. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been in the area, super familiar with you know being in Maryland and everything. So yeah, this is basically my, my home, my whole life. Born and raised Catonsville. You lived there your whole life. Uh, what was growing up like in Catonsville? Uh, growing up was pretty normal, honestly. You know, I, I went to school just in the area, normal family, kind of nothing too remarkable, you know. I was just kind of in my own world, wasn't a bad kid, wasn't like a goody two-shoes, was just like very average, you know. It sounds like that happens, or usually it, I feel like that happens when you are either like the middle child or you're not going the path of the rest of your siblings. So do you have siblings? Uh, yeah, I have three siblings. I have uh, a younger brother and then an older sister and an older brother. So you are the like lower middle child. I describe myself as as lower middle. Definitely. <laughs> um, my my older sister is the only girl. So, you know, she kind of transcends the middle child role because she has the only girl role. And then my older brother being the oldest, of course. So he has all the responsibilities and privileges of being the oldest uh, and the pressure. And then my younger brother is, you know, he's the he's the baby. He got a little slack, but he also was the problem child. So he didn't get as much slack as he would. Um, so I was just kind of there. I feel like my my older siblings did a lot of uh, a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of just kind of like socializing me to being a mid tier child. So <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like your older siblings were basically your parents when your parents weren't around? Oh, absolutely. Um <laughs> My older brother was a little less so in that, you know, he had a lot of pressure already um, just being the oldest. But my my older sister was very happy to be the uh, the second uh, the second uh, set of parents in one sibling. So, you know, she took on that role with pride. Oh, yeah. Older sisters, they're always just I get to tell people what to do. That's great. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) It didn't help that she was also like really smart. So like the things she would actually tell us to do made sense. So you can't even fight back. You know? <laughs> gotcha. The worst part. And what's the, uh, what's the age difference between all of you? Um, all of us were born within a span of five years. So we're all very close in age. You know, it always seems like such a vast difference when you're kids, but like when you 
get to be our age now and you're like adults and like you're all going through very similar experiences. It doesn't feel so different. You know, you realize, oh, we're all kind of doing the same thing. This older sibling who I looked up to is like the 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 gold standard of of being a grown up was like only two years older than me the whole time and like <laughs> didn't know that much more than I did. But it does do a lot in terms of like bonding. When you get older, we're a lot closer. We realize how similar we are and we realize just like how much we have in common and how much we enjoy each other's company. I think that's a great thing about having siblings is that like it starts off as these people being your rivals, these people being a second set of parents, but then you get older and you realize, oh, these people are my homies. Like they're my friends. Like they know me better than anybody else. They've been there. They've seen all the difficult stuff and they've kind of helped me through it. So, yeah, you know, really yeah. grateful for them. Um, last question on your siblings. Do you feel like there is a cultural disconnect between the youngest sibling and then the older, the oldest sibling? Um, it's interesting because you would you would think so. But I think that my younger brother and my older brother are actually the most similar out of all of us. Um and that could come, you know, that could come from a, a number of reasons. But I think that, um, you know, I think that they've both in their own ways seen the extent of parental attention. You know, the oldest has all of the attention on them because they're first. They're they're alone. They have no other siblings to pick up the weight. And so, like, they get the full, you know, force of, you know, parental discipline and attention. And then the youngest being the youngest gets a lot of attention just by virtue of this is the baby we need to make sure that they're taken care of because the other ones are older. And so I feel like their, you know, their relationship with the parents is is similar in a way. And so they kind of ended up being very similar people. Uh, and they're like, they're both awesome, awesome people. Like they're <laughs> both way cooler than me. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, you'd expect this vast different from the oldest and the youngest, but they're very, they're very similar in terms of like temperament and personality, which I think is cool. So as you were growing up, uh, I know that this was something that I also encountered. Um, I mean, my sister, both my older sister and I are fairly creative people. She's mm -hmm. very good at like design and drawing. I was better at like, um, like writing and words, which is why I'm here now with exactly. the podcast. Uh, <laughs> when did you realize growing up that you were like a better than average artist? Oh, that's a good question because I don't think I ever really reached a point where I was just like, I'm better than others. I think I got to a point where I was just like, this is something that people find enjoyment in that I do. So it would be something that I would do and everyone else would do. But the thing was, I enjoyed it so much that like I would keep doing it even when other people weren't. And so it kind of became my thing. So like I'd say around second grade, I that's the first time I remember like actually sitting down and consciously being like, I'm going to draw something that I'm going to show people tomorrow. Um, and so I sat down at like the dinner table and I was just drawing like a comic. I was just like, I want to make a story because I love cartoons and uh, I didn't know how to animate. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to make a comic. And so I made a self insert character, obviously. And I made myself a superhero, obviously. Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to tell a story about this awesome superhero kid who goes to school and he saves his classmate from this evil teacher villain uh naturally and so i write this whole thing and i include like my classmates and i'm just like you guys are gonna be my either my sidekicks or you know people in distress and i'm gonna rescue you with my awesome superhero powers and so i did that whole thing i brought it into school the next day and i just remember i was passing it around and it was like you know poorly drawn 
you know, loose leaf paper with like <laughs> erasable pen. Like you remember those things? Like those yeah. like really crappy watery erasable pens. And I used one of those, uh, didn't sketch anything out. It was just, I'm just going to draw the whole thing in one go. And for some reason, people really liked it. They really responded to it. They were like, you know, oh my goodness, that's me. That character's me. I'm in this. Like I'm, I'm part of this. And it just became this thing where I was just like, I need to make another one. I need to keep telling the story. And, you know, for the rest of like elementary school, I built up this like huge red folder of like loose leaf paper drawings and comics and stuff like that. And it was just like, it was my thing. Like, I didn't know if I was better than anybody. And there were definitely people looking back where I knew for a fact that they were better artists than me. Mm -hmm. But I had my thing, you know, I had my little niche, I had my little comic thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to keep doing this because it's fun for me. People respond to it. They think it's goofy and funny. So, you know, I'm just going to keep making these. Whether or not anyone else is better or not, you mm -hmm. know, I'm just going to keep doing it. So that was kind of my... And it's great that your classmates responded so well, though I'm sure there's one of them who saw it and they were just like, he used my likeness without my permission. <laughs> That's true. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to get my, my child lawyer yeah, and exactly. I'm going to sue him. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, though, because you would expect, like, for now that would be an issue, you know? But back then, they're just like, that looks nothing like me. But the fact that it's supposed to be me makes me really happy. It makes them feel special, you know? When you realized that you had a knack for drawing and making comics and really the joy that your product brought people, do you feel like part of you kept on making the comics because it was a way to differentiate yourself from your siblings? Because I'm sure if you guys all um, are in such a close age range, I'm sure all y'all went to the same school mm -hmm. and instead of them calling you Uche or Uchama, they're just like, oh, you're so-and-so's younger brother. And oh. it's like, oh, please stop. Wow, you unlocked the core memory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, <laughs> I think that became the, the, the case definitely closer to high school. The thing is, when you're in elementary and middle school, a lot of times, um, and you'll see this like even in, in psychology, you know, people want to blend in. They don't really want to stand out because standing out means you're weird. Standing out means you're a weirdo, you know? And the thing is, since everybody drew, drawing was something that you could be good at and enjoy, but it wouldn't necessarily make you stand out as like the weird drawing kid. My older siblings were very smart. I mean, they still are, but they, you know, in school, they're really, really good in school. Uh, they're very personable people. And so like they were popular with teachers, they were popular with other students. And so like, I did always have that kind of like, oh, you're, you know, you're so-and-so's younger brother, you're, you know? And so, you know, after a while it was like, as I got better at drawing and everything, and that was like a thing that I did, I was like, that's something that is my own. That's something that's mine that differentiates me as a person. But like in elementary, middle school, when you want to fit in, you know, I was kind of happy living under that shadow where people know me as these people's younger brother because it made me feel like I was part of something cooler than I was, you know. <laughs> but you get to high school and you want your own personality and suddenly you don't want to be called so-and-so's little brother. And so my art thing was something where I was just like, this is me. This is my thing. Completely divorced from them and what they do. This is my thing. I'm my own person, you know As you continued to go through school from elementary school uh, up through high school Did you enroll in arts programs or was developing that talent something that you always just had to do after school or what or like by yourself? Oh, uh, I do it in school <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I didn't have programs for art uh, but you know, I would doodle on literally everything. Uh, it was a problem. <laughs> like I would be in 
classes and I would, you know, be doodling on classwork if I finished early or I would just be, you know, drawing stuff on the back of tests and quizzes, you know, and sometimes the teachers wouldn't mind. Sometimes they'd like write little like haha, very funny, like notes on it. And uh, sometimes they'd tell my parents okay. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, hey, he's distracted in class. He's drawing on stuff. Uh, you should probably tell him to cut that out. Um, and I did get in trouble for that because it was just like, you're distracted, you're not paying attention. Um, and also it's just not professional in a way, you know, like your papers aren't neat. It makes you look sloppy because you're drawing on stuff that's important. Um, and so it, at the same time, it was just something that I kept doing. And so, you know, I would develop my skills like in class, after class, you know, I was never like bad in school, but I think that I was always kind of in my own little world and I daydreamed a lot. Um, and so I would just doodle and just naturally I would just always be working on something, even if I wasn't consciously sitting down trying to work on it. Um, and that stayed like that stayed the case up until like college, you know, mm -hmm. I would be in class and at that point they really do not care. So like, you know, you can doodle in class all you want as long as you get your work in, as long as you're, yeah. you know, getting good grades in the class. So like, you know, developing my skills was something that I kind of did passively in a way and that it was just something that I did. It was like people have fidget spinners if they like <laughs> for when they're distracted. My fidget spinner was drawing. I just like it's just something to do with your hands, you know. What right, I mean? right. Um, and so that was kind of like a very, you know, natural way for me to develop that since, you know, there weren't a lot of art programs at the schools I went to. But in high school, I did have like an art elective that I took for like a couple of years and that was a great experience. Um, but up until that point, it was just like, you just do it whenever you have a pen and paper in your hand, you know? As you got older and when you were in high school and getting into college, I'm sure at that point, your parents were... I don't want to say worried, but I'm sure a certain part of them was just like, when's he going to stop this whole drawing thing? Because I also know that you're Nigerian and uh, I've had enough Nigerians on the podcast to know <laughs> really any like first generation kid or who has like foreigner parents or parents from another country. It's like this creative, this creative stuff is not, it's, it's cute, but you know, now that you're getting older, it's time to be an adult. Um, right. Did you find it to be an uphill battle as you got older and once you were getting college age and were your parents like supportive or were they like, okay, but uh, that's, that's great. What are you, what are you going to really do with your time? Absolutely. It got so much more difficult as I got older. Uh, Cause like when you're a kid and you're distracted, you know, people expect that. Um, you know, my dad's a pediatrician. He sees kids all the time. He knows that kids are distracted. That's what they do, you know, but kids also like eat dirt. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you expect your kid to stop eating dirt at a certain point. Yes. Um, so when your kid doesn't stop drawing in class and getting distracted and stuff, of course, naturally you're going to get a little worried. Um, and so like, as I got older and I got more serious and I got more adamant about the fact that this is something that I wanted to do it got concerning because being immigrant parents, their entire thing is, hey, we came over here to give you a better shot at life. We came here to give you better opportunities for a better job, for a better, you know, situation um, than we would have had back home. And the idea that you're throwing all of your eggs into this basket that is not necessarily a guarantee to be lucrative. It's not necessarily a guarantee to make you money. It worries them. It's something that I can understand, especially now um, as an adult looking back saying, okay, I can kind of see why they would be a little bit worried about the idea of me going into a field that's very, you know, 
amorphous in certain ways, um, you know, and I think that that was definitely something that became a challenge in high school, especially when college applications started happening. And I got super excited about the idea of art school, like the idea that you could leave high school and go to a college specifically for art mm -hmm. and it's treated like a legitimate path. And I was super excited about that. And they were definitely worried uh, because <laughs> they could tell that I was very, very adamant about it. And, you know, that didn't end up working out uh, for obvious reasons. But the excitement of doing something as a career path is really hard to shut down as a parent, because as a parent, you want your child to be excited about what they're doing. You want them to be happy. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you, I feel like they had to grapple with the idea of we want you to be happy now, but we also want you to be happy in the long run. And if making you a little upset now makes you happier in the long run, we're going to have to do that. And oh, so, yeah, absolutely. I feel yeah. like parents would rather their children be miserable and wealthy than poor and happy. Exactly. Because, I mean, like, you know, you'd rather cry on a yacht than <laughs> a cardboard box. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I always knew that it was out of love uh, that they were concerned, but it didn't make it any easier at the time, especially when you're a kid and you're like, I have my whole life ahead of me and I'm super serious about this and I can make it work. You know, so hearing a no when you're like, this is what I want to do. This is my path. It's it's kind of earth shattering because you're like, where do I go from here? Am mm -hmm. I doomed to be miserable in whatever path I choose? Yes. From here on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so like, Yes, you are. Uh, so, you know, it was it was challenging. And I think it was easier as a kid because you could pass it off as just like, oh, it's just like a yeah. kid's hobby. It's just something that he likes to do and that he'll grow out of it. But I never really grew out of it, as you can see. It got harder and then it got easier and you know that's just mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of the story of parental relationships period you know oh yeah of course of course so you still ended up going to college and it wasn't art school and if i remember correctly you went to college you went to umbc right i did go to umbc and you went for psychology psychology yeah and you had also mentioned it earlier um in the interview you had mentioned uh psychology so can you talk to me about that experience going to school and studying psychology and then finishing with your degree? Like, were you happy about it or did you just kind of choose it because you're like, ah, I just want to choose something to get them off my back? It was an interesting path to psychology. I'll tell you that. So, um, you know, any any Nigerian or immigrant parent can tell any immigrant child can tell you that the ideal paths are doctor, lawyer, engineer, Etc. You know, or failure, or failure. You know, those are the those are the only options. So, you know, no one wants to be the failure. So I was like, once the whole art school thing was removed from the table, um, I was just like, all right, where do I go next? The only thing I knew is that I did not want to be a doctor, <laughs> and that was for several reasons. It was because you know, you know, my dad's a doctor. He's a pedi he's a pediatrician, like I said before, and I have so much respect for what he does. And, you know, he built this business, you know, his own practice. And, and it's something that I admire a lot. And it's amazing. But, you know, when you're up close and personal with something and you see how much work goes into something and you see the drive that you have to have for that thing, you realize how much of an undertaking it is. And I feel like a lot of people don't appreciate how much work goes into this. Um, but I saw it and I was just like, I don't know if that's something that I'm passionate about enough about to spend those sleepless nights, to have those calls all hours, to, you know, be thinking about 24-7 because, you know, lives are on the line. 
And I just, you know, that plus the 10 plus years of schooling, I was like, you know, and when you're a kid, you're like, I don't want to do more school <laughs> for 10 years. You know, like that's like half your life at that point. And so I was just I was like, please, just anything but that, you know, I, I love it. But I feel like people who really love to do that, people who really want to do that, they should be the ones going into that because. When it comes down to it, when you have a medical professional, you really want to make sure they care about what they're doing. Yeah, you don't want a doctor who's just like, okay, what's what's going on? Right. Imagine, <laughs> like, they're just like, whatever, man. Like, I should have been an artist. You don't want that guy doing surgery on you. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so I was like, I don't really want to do that. So I was kind of like, what can I do that's, like, in the same vein mm -hmm. where it's, like, it's, like, secure enough, but it's, like, you know, not 10 plus years of school. Um, and so I was, like, pre-pharmacy. Because it's like five years of school, it's vaguely medical, uh, so it's like that'll make them happy. And so I did that, and then um, I think it was my first calculus course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my freshman year where I was just like, maybe this isn't for me. And, you know, that's fine, but I don't think I was just, I don't think I was in the place where I was like, I really care enough to go hard in this because you have to go hard. You have to really apply yourself. And, um, I think it was, it was my freshman year. It was the second semester of my freshman year of college. I took a psych course, um, as just like one of my general education credits. And I was in that class and I realized that I actually really loved the material. Like I really enjoyed that there was this course where we're studying not only human behavior, but it's like the motivations behind why people are the way that they are. Um, and I've always found people interesting. I've always found talking to people and trying to understand people um, and trying to get to the root of people's issues. Like I always thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, just like even as a little kid, like in elementary school, I would talk to my friends about whatever, like, you know, recess problems they had. You know what I mean? <laughs> How does it make you feel that you can't get on the monkey bars? Exactly. You know, <laughs> like you have a crush on this girl and she doesn't seem to notice you. How does that, how does that make you feel? Does it What's burn your plan? you up inside? Exactly. Does it, does it affect your studies? You know, like, you know, uh, and so like psych seemed like something that was really interesting. And I found myself looking forward to this class and looking forward to studying and learning more. And I was just like, is this what it feels like to want to study something, you know? And so I was like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is my path. Maybe this is something that I can actually apply myself to. And so when I transferred to UMBC, because I went to um, Howard Community okay. um, when I first started, and I stayed there for like a year and a half. And when I transferred out, I transferred in for um, for psychology. Okay. And so I was like, that's my major, and I'm going to do that. And, you know, it was something that I enjoyed. Like, I enjoyed learning new things, and I enjoyed you know, observing that knowledge, because when you're learning about people, you, you don't run out of things to observe, you know, yeah, yeah. you're learning about people's motivations and then you go out and you're dealing with people all day. You talk to your friends, you talk to people and you realize, you know, this stuff in action, you look at yourself, you kind of study yourself and you realize the, the things you learn apply. That being said, in the back of my mind, the art thing was always there. I was mm -hmm. always drawing something. I was always working on something. I always had a sketchbook with me, you know? And so art was always something that even though I loved psychology and I enjoyed learning about it, art was always something where I was like, this is my first love. Like, this is what I would have done. This mm -hmm. is what I would have liked to do. And, you know, sometimes there'd be like a, like a lull during one of the lectures or whatever. And, um, 
a professor would be like walking around and I'd be in a psych class. And I remember I had a professor um, in one class and she was walking around the room and she saw me sketching in my sketchbook before the class started. Um, and she was just like, oh, you drew this? And I was like, yeah. Uh, and she was like, are you an art major? And I was like, oh, no, I'm a psych major. And she was just like, why She's didn't like, you go into art? Here? Yeah, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, that's actually in, in not so many words. She was just like, oh, yeah, you know, why did you, you know, do art? And I was just like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but like that being said, it was just like I liked what I was doing, but I knew that it wasn't my first choice. And that was something that kind of stuck with me through my college experience was I wish I could have been doing this other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if during that time I was holding on to hope that I would pivot into art. I think it was just something where I had that instinct where it's like, I just want to do this and I will continue to do it, you know, for as long as possible, I guess, until my actual career overshadows it eventually. But until then I'm going to keep doing it, you know? I think that that's a pretty smart way to think about it, though, because for me, I think so for, for, for my experience, like I went to school for English because people were like, you're so good at writing. You should be a writer. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. I listened to all those other people. And then looking back, I wish I would have did something similar to what you did, even though I know that like writing in media was what I wanted to do. I wish I would have just went to school for like a STEM course or something like that earlier on. That way I wouldn't have struggled so much after I got out of school really to find work. And then once I did find work, it just got to a point where it wasn't even sustainable for me anymore um, working in the radio industry. And that's the question that I have for you. Once you got your um, psychology degree, did you like pursue jobs in that field or were you still trying to pursue work in the arts how how was that working out so uh i got my psychology degree at the end of 2019 so december 2019 meaning that i would have entered 2020 just haven't gotten to my degree and as you know in 2020 the weirdest thing happened. Uh, so I think what what made it tricky is that by the time I finished my degree, it was just like the job search was just impossible. Mm -hmm. um, and it was strange because I found myself at home, you know, not really having a lot of options in terms of jobs. Everyone who had a job was either being furloughed or was, you know, trying to transition into at home work. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd had a job beforehand um, that wasn't in the psych field, but it was like completely unrelated to art. It was, you know, I was working in an office and I, you know, when I was laid off from that because of the, you know, the uh, the pandemic, the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. I, I found myself just at home and I was just like, well, I got this degree. And obviously the next step is grad school because mm -hmm. that's what you do. You get your your BA in psych, and then you you do grad school or you try to find something else. But it's going to be very challenging if you don't have a master's degree. So the next thing was like, all right, time to get a master's degree. Um, but in terms of job hunting, there was I had no choice of, in the matter, really, because the world kind of went on pause. And so I, I kind of found myself at this crossroads yeah. where it's like, what are you going to do with this time? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to spend it working towards psychology or are you going to look at other avenues because everything's up in the air right now yeah um and so you know i did what 
I had always kind of wanted to do if I had that much time on my hands, which was, you know, throw myself into my art and see if I could just make stuff because, you know, all my life I'd been told you have better things to do than art. You have mm-hmm. school, you have work, you have, you know, college, you have all of these things that you need to be doing. And then for the first time in my life, there was nothing else that I really could be doing. You know, there was no school. I was done. There was no work because no one was working. Mm -hmm. And the whole grad school thing was like I had just finished. So I was given like a year to do, you know, to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I was like, there's actually nothing better to be doing right now than the thing that I've always wanted to do. And so I finally was like, all right, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do as much art as I possibly can in this next year. Because at the end of that year, I'm going to have to decide, am I going to grad school and how I'm going to do that? Because, you know, everything was online. So it was just going to be like, hey, you're going to stay at home and do grad school for like two plus years. And then that's going to be your life for the next, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that getting out of college and, and being like at this point where it's like, okay, what do you do next? And that coinciding with like the craziest worldwide event to happen in our lifetime was just, you know, incredibly bizarre and like strangely serendipitous in its own way, uh, just in terms of like having time to do something that you never thought you'd get the chance to do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And as you were talking about that and I was making up the timeline in my head, like you said, it just seems very serendipitous that you, you finished school and then the pandemic happened. You had all of that time to uh, kind of work on your art and really think about what you wanted as a person. But in not in spite of all that, but like while all of that was happening, this super patron contest comes along and you apply for that and you win that, which was a a $50,000 grand prize so that you could pursue your art full time. To me, all of those like events happening in that order really just sounds like fate. And I'm wondering if that's how you feel about it as well. And also, can you talk about finding out about the super patron and applying and, and how it felt when you won? Oh, man. Yeah. You know, fate, uh, chaos, all of that. I, you know, I, I'll frequently tell people I, I feel like I got really, really lucky. It doesn't, you know, and I'm not somebody who usually feel like believes in luck in that way. And I usually, you know, subscribe to the to the feeling that, like, you know, anything can happen to anyone for any reason, uh, good or bad. And so, like, the fact that in our chaotic world, something like this kind of lined up in that way, um, I couldn't help but feel like this, you know, it was kind of very, very lucky, very, you know, faded to happen. Um, but it was just a lot of things lined up in a really, really crazy way. Like I said before, I had a year. I, I think I told you I had exactly a year to kind of figure out what I was going to be doing. And so by like December 2020, I would have had to be like, all right, grad school, what am I doing with that? Mm-hmm. So September rolls around and my friend Zach, good friend of mine, we've been friends since like, you know, early middle school. He sends me this link and he says, hey, I think you'd be perfect for this. Check it out. And it takes me to this YouTube channel, like this link. It's uh, Jack Conti, who's the uh, CEO of Patreon. And he's like, I'm having this contest. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want an artist who or any creative, like if you're a musician, you know, podcaster, artist, whatever you do, I want you to submit an application, create a three minute video or presentation 
and send it in and I will pick one person to win this $50,000 grant to pursue your art full time and make that your job, you know, so you can like really do that and pursue it full time. And I'm just like fat chance. Yeah, nah, uh, that's not going to happen, but you know, it's something to do. Um, so I sit down and I spend like a month, like a, a few weeks, like putting together this presentation and I make like an animation and I'm like narrating this, this video about like what I do and why I do it and like why I think it's important and why I have so much fun doing it. And like, I put together some of my work and my comics and all of that stuff. And I send in this presentation, I send in this application out into the void and I'm just like, well, that's out there now. I, you know, I thought nothing of it. I, I knew that I put a lot of soul, a lot of, you know, myself into that project, but I'd been disappointed so many times before yeah. in that year. Yeah. So like sending it out was just kind of like, you know, like a, like an underhand toss, like whatever, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm ready for a no. Cause like when you, when you put your heart out there and you're just like, I'm really excited. That's when, you know, you get that earth shattering, you know, right. disappointment. And so I was like, let me not get my hopes up. Let me not get disappointed. And I send it in. Um, couple months pass and they come back and they're like, you won, like you won this thing. And he, first of all, the presentation of like them telling me that I won was like the wildest thing. Like they, <laughs> they flew out to employees with like a box and the box had like a video chat with the, the CEO in it. And he was just like, Hey, you won this thing. And, you know, I got to talk to him and, and it was just like, it was wild. Essentially that was just kind of like a sign to me where it's like, well, now I have this opportunity. Like I, well, obviously I cared about the money, but like, I didn't care about the money <laughs> in that like, oh man, I, I've got money now. It was like, yeah. this is time for me. Like this is, this gives me an opportunity to explore these avenues that I didn't think I would have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just in time because they announced it like end of November. And so oh, I was wow. right at the end where it was kind of like, wow, this would have been it would have been off to grad school if this hadn't come through. And, you know, I had a couple moments where um, my mom, you know, when I heard I was like in like, I'd made it past the first couple rounds, I was getting kind of like antsy about it. And I was like, this could be a thing. Like I'm, I'm really, you know, and my mom was just like in her motherly way, because, you know, she didn't want me to be shattered. And, you know, she was just like, Hey, you know, like we're rooting for you. But like, if this doesn't work out, I think, you know, it would be smart to think about your next steps, like grad school, all that stuff. Sure. So in my head, I guess, symbolically, this was like the kind of the, 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 the line between my art and pursuing this other thing, you know, mm -hmm. and I knew for a fact that if I did grad school, art was definitely going to have to fall by the wayside just by virtue of how rigorous a master's program yeah, is. Yeah, of course. Um, and, you know, my parents would assure me, you can do this on the side, you can do this on the side. But if I wanted to be successful in that pursuit, I would have to cut just like jump out. in like both feet. Exactly. Both mm -hmm. feet. I'd have to make sacrifices and art would have to go a bit. Um, it was just like it felt like one or the other. And so this this grant coming through was just like this was the the choice was made. Like it was like I got this opportunity. I can't waste it. What would I do? What would it mean for me to get this opportunity and then just go into something else? when I just got this, like this validation, this, this, this sign saying, Hey, this is something that you can do. This is something that's worth doing. And this is something that you should pursue and now have the means to pursue. Um, and so that kind of like kickstarted me in this direction. 
um, where art was like, this is going to be my main thing. I'm really going to throw myself in head first. And then not a month later, Webtoon reached out to me and was like, hey, we've been seeing your comics that I'd been posting for 2020. So this was like my 2020 project was this like I was making like comic strips on Instagram and, you know, somebody reached out and was just like, hey, I work at Webtoon. I've been following your stuff on Instagram um, and we would love to pick up your series, like pick up your comic strip as like a Webtoon series. Yeah. And I was just like, this is insane. You know, like this is like a sign that like, hey, this is going to be your career. This is something that you now have the means, you now have an opportunity and now you you know, the work that you've been doing all year is now kind of coming to fruition in this way. Mm -hmm. And it all happened so fast that I was just kind of like, I have to say yes to everything. Like, I can't, I can't say like, oh, let me think about it. I was just like, no, (laughs) yeah, this is, this is, I'm doing this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now it being a year since then about, it's just kind of like crazy seeing how that's all unfolded and just kind of turned into the situation that I'm in now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's kind of wild just how fast it all happened because it was just a lot of nothing, a lot of silence. And then within like four months, everything kind of exploded and kind of came together in a way that like I really find difficult to describe. I just wanted to clarify something. So 2020, you were making like your your comics and putting them on Instagram. And at that time, were those comics what would become Vibe Check or was it something completely different? Um, it was, it was a mixture. It was, they were multiple different comics I was doing. I would do like one-off random ones. Okay. I would do, um, just like, just like funny things that I would come up with. Yeah, sure. And then, um, vibe check was one that was just like a, it, it was a throwaway joke that I'd made as like an inside joke with one of my friends. Um, and it was just like this, this really buff dude who just talks about like energy and vibes and stuff like that (laughs) and he's just like he'll like essentially just shouting to anyone who will listen like you know you got to get your vibes right you know check your energy all that yeah Uh, because we all know that person and (laughs) and um you know people really responded to that they were like this guy is hilarious i need more of this guy like this character and so i did a couple more and then that just kind of became like a running strip that i would do with you know the vibe fairy and um a character who was essentially me, like yeah. it was just like um, like a cartoon version of myself, and that kind of became its own thing, and you know turned into like a bunch of different strips, and like they had like arcs and everything. Um, but that's essentially what caught Webtoon's eye was like this specific series, oh, okay. and they were like this specific thing we want on our platform if possible, and so gotcha. that kind of worked out just from something that I was doing as a joke for fun for like my Instagram followers and stuff. So. Okay, so you were making comics and also doing vibe check in between. Then you get the super patron, and then uh, Webtoon also comes calling. And I, I, I read all of the vibe check comics, which are like hilarious and, and like fantastically animated. I mean, there's there's fourth wall breaks. There's the license, but the, the the Deadpool comic the Deadpool. that was one of my that was one of my favorite ones. Oh, man. Um, but it also has like a bit of an emotional side. And I want to combine these um these these two questions into one. Is 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 creating this comic kind of like therapy for you as much as as much as it is entertainment and once webtoon came calling and you accepted that call i'm sure they had a bunch of deliverables for you so has that demanded more from you as a person and an artist oh uh absolutely to both um it's definitely in terms of therapy it's i've had um my first editor described the um vibe check series as essentially 
uh, like intergalactic multidimensional therapy <laughs> where it's like this character comes in and he's talking about vibes and energy and all this stuff. But at the heart of it, it's kind of just about like, you know, checking in with yourself. Like, are you good? You know, making sure that you confront yourself and like looking inward. And, you know, like that was something that, you know, it's something that I kind of was inspired by, like, especially friends of mine. You know, I have friends of mine who are very like internal people. They're people who who will always be the ones to like check you like, hey, are you good? Like, are you really good? You know, like when they say, hey, what's up? How are you doing? And you say, I'm good. I'm okay. They're the ones who kind of push you on that. They're just like, are you just saying that? Because that's what you say. Are you actually good? Yeah, exactly. Um, right. And and so like that's something that's always been like, that's become a lot more important to me um, in terms of portraying like two characters interacting where it's like somebody who can really push you to be a better version of yourself. And of course, there's layers of like magic and, and wacky adventures and all of that. But like, especially when... I started doing the webtoon series. I really wanted to explore that angle more of like, what does it mean to have bad vibes? How do you get better vibes? Like, what does it mean to like confront yourself and like deal with failure and deal with your personal struggles? And like, what does it mean to have somebody who's willing to help you do that? Yeah. You know, even if there's somebody who, who annoys you at first or they're talking all this <laughs> mumbo jumbo. So I was able to draw from like elements of my life to put that into the series. You know, like there were things where it's like, this is something that, I myself struggle with. In the series, um, the main character is a struggling artist. He's somebody who wants to get published and he wants to be great and he wants to do all these things. And he's faced with failure and he gets rejection after rejection. And it's like, at what point does he just give up? And like, is that something that people, you know, people deal with? And that's kind of like the, the emotional core at the beginning of the story is like, this person is dealing with all of these problems. And then this person comes in and kind of turns their life upside down and is just like, we're gonna get you on the right path. And you know, hilarity ensues, but at the same time, it's like the real issue is, what is this character going through and how can they overcome it? In terms of demanding from me, yeah, it's 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 a balance because one, you're on deadlines and you wanna get your stuff in on time and you wanna you know, make sure that you're making this series in a timely manner, but you also wanna make sure that you're doing your due diligence and making something that's of good quality. Of course, of course. Um, so like as an artist, it's demanded a lot from me in terms of like figuring out my process and like what's the most efficient, but also can I also at the same time while making things on time, give them enough thought to where they have the impact that I want them to have or they're as funny as I want them to be, or you know, they're kind of speaking to the people that I want them to speak to. Um, but it's like, I think it's been one of the greatest challenges, like in terms of like, it's a, it's a great thing that I'm being challenged like this because it's like, it's teaching me a lot about how I work and like what I want to say and how I want to say it. And, you know, it's, it's forcing me to really sit down and make things, you know, rather than just think of things, I have to really put my ideas into practice. And I think that's one of the best things about having this webtoon opportunity is that, I'm really sitting down week after week after week and really putting down my thoughts and my ideas and like applying things in my life before I have time to overthink them and change them and then decide, oh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you're, you're on a schedule, buddy. Like you got to actually make the stuff that you're thinking of. Yeah. And I think that's been like a great thing for me. But, you know, the series to me is something that's like really special. And I like I, I love working on it. And, you know, I hope people read it, you know, even if it's just a small group of people who read it. 
you know, I'm excited that people will get to like experience this because I've worked really hard on it. So sure. Of course. So uh, last question that I have, um, when does Vibe Check premiere? And I'm assuming uh, people will be able to to read it on Webtoon. Is there like a mobile app or do they have to do it on the website? There is a mobile app there. It's also it's also free. Um, just like it is free. Like, I feel like I need to keep telling people that because people ask me, they're just like, how much do I have to pay to read this? I'm like, it is not a paywall. It is 100% free to read. Cool. Uh, there's an app. Um, you can subscribe to the series on the app. There's also a mobile, not a mobile. There's also a, like a desktop site. If you're one of those people who uses a laptop for everything, iPad, all the things that you could possibly use to read stuff online. Gotcha. It's free on all of those. And it drops January 12th, twice a week, I believe. One final question in uh, regards to vibe check. Who does the goose represent? Uh, the goose uh, is actually a metaphor. Uh, <laughs> and the metaphor is uh, geese. Geese are terrible. That's oh, okay. <laughs> The geese represent geese uh, in that I really, I really don't like geese. Yeah, they've hissed at me a few times. So. <laughs> exactly. For nothing. You're minding your own business and they just, they're, they're combative. They're, they're mean. They're rude. You know, Aggr- needlessly aggressive. For no reason. You know, like, you know, because especially Canadian geese, that's the thing. <laughs> Canadian geese come from a place that is widely considered one of the nicest places on earth. Canadians are super nice. Sure. The reason is all of their hatred Uh, goes directly into the geese Mm. and the geese spread it around the world. That's just how it works. Man. Arguably worse. (laughs) I hear that. Well, Uchama Uzozike, webtoon extraordinaire, animator, digital (laughs) artist, and potentially psychiatrist uh thanks so much for sitting down with me i appreciate the opportunity uh thank you so much for having me i appreciate you having me here and like you know it's always cool to talk about this stuff because it's like my whole life that was uchama uzosike digital artist and creator of vibe check follow him on instagram at u-c-h-e-o-m-a-a-a you can read all past issues of vibe check on webtoon and the relaunch for the series is january 12th If you're listening to this episode the day it dropped, that means tomorrow. Be sure to subscribe to Local Color on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate five stars and leave a glowing review. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color.